0: all right am I on for stereo <laughs> as I was worshiping there you go as I was worshiping and still am worshiping and my heart as my heart is bowed before God you can take this for what it's worth I felt the Holy Spirit speak to my heart And he said something. He said, do... No, let me rephrase. That's not how he said it. Do not dare become discouraged in well-doing. Do not let people discourage you and take you away from what God has called you to do. If you remember, there was a group of apostles after Jesus Christ Had been crucified and they were gathered together in a small room they were gathered together because i'm sure they were afraid i'm sure that they didn't know exactly what to do from there because jesus christ has been crucified what's the answer where do we go what do we do and then all of a sudden in that closed room jesus appears he looks at these his disciples had referred to as little children And he looks at him and he says, all hell. And what he meant by that was everybody, listen to me. Whether discouraged, whether downcast, whether scared or whatever you might be facing, look at me. Behold, all authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. Therefore, and later on he would say, go and make disciples. But hear this. He said, as my father has sent me, now send I you. I want you to think about that for a minute. He said, listen to me, all hell and listen. All authority is given to me in heaven and earth. And he said, as my Father has sent me, now I'm sending you. And then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit, the breath of the living God. And saints, what does that mean? What does that mean in, in, in its true? I mean, in its, in its rawest form, people, I believe it's beyond understanding. What I mean by that is to truly grasp it, that God is with us, that Jesus, you know, we look in our past, we look over our lives, and we see those tragedies. We see the things that hit us, the things that tried to discourage us. They, above all people, had every right to run and hide. But then when Jesus appears, he tells them, he says, get out of your hole. Get out of here. I am not dead. I am risen. And he sends them into the world. And saints, we are sent the exact same way. You do not think much of yourselves. Maybe we do. I don't know. But I'm saying if you belong to the Lord, you know You know that everything that you have, you receive from God, and you know every blessing that you have received has come from God. You know that what you are able to do and what you will ever be able to accomplish, it will be accomplished by His Spirit. You understand that. But saints, I want you to know Jesus said, He that hears you, hears me. Think about that. And him or he that hears me, hears not only me, but the one who sent me. We are much more than we realize. And we have a greater responsibility, but also a greater privilege than anyone could have ever thought in the beginning. We're His. We are Christians. We have light, we have love. We have power to as many as received him. Uh, To them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to those who would believe in his name. Don't you dare let the enemy steal from you. Don't you dare let him take away from you that which he has called you to do and allowed you to do. There will always be those to complain, to naysay, and to pull away. Don't take your eyes off of Jesus because of a storm. You focus on jesus and you'll walk above it amen well good night y'all have a good one it's been good being here with you tonight okay just kidding all right oh i meant to share this with you as a matter of fact mr chris had shared this with me and i forgot to share it sometimes i get caught up in what's going on but uh our missionary kai a lot of you had some questions or a few of you have even uh, asked about him and i know that uh, miss peggy was sharing with me Uh, the area of our world in in which he lives and works and serves the lord was hit very tragically earthquakes a lot of things that were bad there and uh, there were people that were killed yes of of his fellowship and hurt but he was stateside at the time and so he, he was spared that now i know in his heart he longs for his home and we as brothers and sisters in christ need to be praying for that fellowship we need to be praying for that church we need to be praying for that work and just once again, because a tragedy hits, does not mean that God is not very much involved in what is happening there. God's hands are still holding those people that are in crisis, crises, that is. So please be praying. And as a matter of fact, let's open our hearts. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for and Father, we pray for the uh, ministry that is taking place there in the Middle East. We pray, Father, for your grace. We pray for healing and help over that church, and we ask you, Father, to please. To move mountains. We pray for healing. We pray for strength. We pray from this tragedy that even a stronger church arises, that people's eyes, because of this, will be turned to you. Father, we pray for Asbury. Father, we pray for the revival that is breaking out there. We pray Father, that it will continue to grow and spread from there. And wherever the glory of God desires to go, may it set this world on fire. Shine. Jesus, shine. Father, we ask you to teach us tonight glorify your name in Jesus name we pray amen and amen all right when we left last time we're talking about an individual named Jacob now Jacob is a prominent figure in scripture but Jacob from the beginning whenever you look at him there's a reason why the scripture highlights him Jacob uh, is not a good man not starting out in particular Jacob is very much self-centered Jacob is pretty much in this thing for himself. But one of the things in Scripture, and and people, it's very, very uh, clearly seen in his life, but people, uh, saints, let me rephrase. All of these individuals that we look at, in some way, they should reflect you and me. We should see the mercy and the grace of God, even the discipline and holiness, chastening of God, in their lives, we should also see it happening in us. It shows us that it is not simply just the perfect. It's not simply just those people that just waltz through life and they're they're, they're just completely obedient to God. Show me one of those, really. But what I'm saying is that even in their failures, their weaknesses, even in their development, because that's what it is, they are growing in their knowledge of God, growing in his grace. They are coming to know exactly who he is as God reveals himself to them. And you see that transformation. So what you might look at in Jacob as a scoundrel, as this uh, grasper for the heel the one who wants to supplant and take away from another and we saw him do it with his own brother it's what he can become and literally in looking at jacob you know you go back to abraham and you see the great trial that abraham went through although not a perfect man And. In- credible man too with what God was doing through him, willing to take that which was most precious, every promise hinged on Isaac, and he was willing to give him back to God. He was willing to sacrifice that because of his love for God and people his belief and faith and trust in God. That is why God declared him righteous. And then we come on down and we see his son Isaac and we see the children that are born to him and we see the promises continued. It's continued with Isaac. It's going to be continued with Jacob. But you you have this Jacob, he comes into the world and eventually he is going to become the nation of Israel. Who is this nation of Israel? We will see. But you've got to see the seed, if you will, is already planted. The seed is there in Abraham. but the last thing that we see about Jacob is we see a man who takes advantage of his brother whenever he's at his weakest he wants to just swipe and to take and he wants that blessing and his mother really isn't helping him I mean she's helping him to get what he wants but she's not building into him that character that she needs to build and saints I'm not trying to go too far afield but sometimes children need to be told no sometimes adults need to be told no At least I hope so because my wife has told me no many a times. Can we go out to eat tonight? No! No, I'm just kidding. kidding. So, uh, no, she's always very gracious. She's very, very kind to me. But part of the growing process is learning that everything doesn't always happen the way that you want it to happen it's learning to stay the course even when things are rocky even whenever the sea is not calm it's it's about going with god wherever he calls you and sometimes those places are tough but the good news is that if god's with us in it we can make it we can get through this thing And the ultimate result, what God is wanting to bring about in our lives, he will do that if we'll hang with him. Half the problem that we have in this life is that we don't hang in there with the Lord. You know, God's taking us through the darkness. He's taking us through the difficulties in our lives. And what we do is we abandon him halfway through. And what you don't realize is you're going to have to go through the storm either way. The question is, is do you want to go through with Jesus? Because in the end, he will heal you. He will help you. He will I' am persuaded that the present sufferings of this life are nothing to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. In the end, it is always worth it, because Jesus is the prize. You can take the streets of gold, you can take the crystal sea, you can take the beautiful gates of pearl, because without Jesus, they mean nothing. But if you got Jesus, you got it all. So he's taken advantage of his brother. He's gotten the birthright. Uh, we know that God has a plan for Jacob, but we're seeing it unfold, and Jacob isn't doing a very good job. So he ends up stealing, I guess you would say, the birthright from him. Then whenever it comes for the blessing, the time for that blessing to be given, he and his mother conspire. He lies repeatedly. His father, Isaac, asks him, you know, the, 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 the smell that I'm smelling of you, because he put on the clothes, he says, well, that's Esau. He said, you feel like esau he said there's a lot of things here that yeah i can say it's esau but the voice the voice is jacob are you truly esau yes 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 well, how did you happen to get the meal prepared so quickly? Because you remember he said, go prepare me some savory food, go hunt for it, bring it back here. I'll fill myself, we'll rejoice together and I will bless you. And he ends up getting that done that quick. You remember mom and he conspired. They went and took a few goats and took that and he came back and said, well, how did you do this so quickly? Oh, the Lord helped me. Don't bring God into your life. Don't bring God into this to bring more deception. But over and over again, he refuses. He refuses to to tell his daddy the truth. And what ends up happening after he steals the blessing again, you you can say, well, he sold it to him. Uh, Obviously, things are not going like they should. But the last thing that we hear from Esau is that he tells him, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill my brother. Jacob's a dead man. That's what he's going to do. So mama comes out there after all of that and says, you know what you need to do? You need to get. Your brother's going to kill you, so he goes and hides. But here's the problem. Sooner or later, he's going to have to face his brother. And that's exactly what's getting ready to happen for all that has transpired in the life of Jacob since then, whether it be with his wife or wives, whether it be the children that are born to him, the problems that are occurring, you know, between him and Laban or other folks. Okay? Whatever the situation may be, it's coming down to a point where he is going to have to face his brother, and he is absolutely terrified. Because whenever he meets his brother, will his brother still be angry? Will his brother attack him? Will his brother kill him? Will he kill his uh, family? You know, he ends up dividing up his family whenever he goes to see his brother because he is concerned, you know, what is going to happen? Well, you know, if he attacks me, at least part of my family's, you know, going to be okay. So you can see he really is struggling with this thing. But something happens. I want you to hear this. Now, you remember whenever he was born, God did say that his favor was going to be with Jacob, okay, with the second one that came out of the womb but that doesn't mean, now, now please follow me here, because God says that ultimately he favors someone or God's going to be with someone does not mean in that particular second or moment of their life that they're living in absolute holiness. As a matter of fact, most of the times in our lives before God is able to do with us what he desires for us to do, he has to let us walk through trials. He has to get us to the place that we will listen to him in spite of circumstances. And understand that he is there in the midst of the storm. He was with Abraham no matter what. Even asking him to sacrifice his son, he was still with Abraham the whole time. And there was great blessing that came out of that as God spared his son. You know, we talk about love at the beginning of the service. You ever think that God just wants people to love him? Listen to him and love him. So let's take a look at what's getting ready to happen here. If you will, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 32, starting in verse 1. Genesis chapter 32 and starting in verse 1. Now, this is going to be a strange scripture. When I look at this, I have to read this scripture several times. The first time around, I'm like, what? And then, it, oh yeah, okay. But it's one of those that The Bible tells you what is happening in the sense that this is what's going on, but it doesn't necessarily behind the scenes say everything. And there's more interpretations on this kind of stuff than you can imagine, but I want you to just hear it kind of at face value here. So verse 32 says, so Jacob went on his way. Now he's getting ready to meet his brother Esau. So Jacob went on his way and it says, and the angels of God met him. That's interesting, isn't it? He's going along and these angels show up. Okay. Why? When Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's camp. And he called the place where he is. It literally means that term means two camps, okay? That are there. There's a camp of God. But this opens a door for what is about to take place. More than likely, what is happening here is Jacob is about to go through the biggest trial of his life. He's getting ready to have to face his brother. And in so doing, he's afraid he's going to die. And we have angels there that are watching and encouraging, protecting him, if you will. But let's keep going. Verse 3, it says, Then Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir and the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Speak thus to my Lord Esau. Thus your servant Jacob I have dwelt with Laban and stayed there until now. I have oxen, donkeys, and all this kind of stuff he's going to share with them. Take a look at verse 6. Then the messengers returned to Jacob saying, We came to your brother Esau, and he is also coming to meet you, and 400 men are with him. So, you know, he's not. what he does is the language here. You're going to see this with David, and you're going to see this with Saul. You're going to see this father-son language or the imagery of family where David is honoring Saul. He calls him father. He says, I'm but a dog before you. I'm a worm, and all these things. And what you're seeing also in Jacob is that he's trying to uh, prostrate himself, okay, to bow before him. He's trying to say, You know, I recognize that you're my brother. You are my older brother. I want you to know that I, I'm sorry and I respect you. I'm, I'm, I'm nothing. You're everything kind of approach. But this is what he gets. He says, okay, with all the oxen, with all the things, he's sending gifts. He's trying to send gifts over to his brother, hoping that that will in some way calm his brother down. But he doesn't know what his brother's feeling. And here comes his brother with 400 men. So this could be good or very bad. So verse 7, it says, So Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people that were with him and the flocks and herds and camels into two companies. And he said, if Esau comes to one company and attacks it, then the other company which is left will escape. So he's trying to cut his losses here, okay? Then Jacob said, O oh God, now listen to this prayer, O oh God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac. Because you will see in the future, God refers to himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He'll do this. So we know things turn out pretty good, but let's see what's got to happen before they can become pretty good. So anyway, he cries out to God. He says, father of Isaac as well, the Lord who said to me, return to your country and your family and I will deal well with you. Verse 10, I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which you have shown your servant for I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now I, I have become two companies." So he's basically saying, okay, I'm in trouble. Uh, I'm, he's talking about God, I need help, I need grace, I'm not necessarily the most wonderful person. Verse 11, "'Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me, and the mother with, my, uh, with the children.'" Okay. Verse 12, for you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for a multitude. So we see once again in this language, yes, he's crying out, but listen to the promise to Abraham. You know, I'll make a great nation out of you. There will be as stars in the heavens, the sand of the sea you know, you listen to me, Abraham, and in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Same thing he said to Isaac, in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I'll make a great nation out of you. Listen to me, that kind of thing. And now we see that the same promise has gone down to Jacob. The only problem is that Jacob's not doing too well. Jacob's kind of Well, let's just say he's blowing it on several levels, but he's crying out to God, please show me mercy, please show me favor. Now, if you will, in this same passage that you have here, take a look at verse 22. Here's the one that a lot of people look at and they're like, hmm, what happened? Okay, it says in here, while he's there, while he's by himself, okay, It says, he arose that night and he took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons, and he crossed over uh, the ford to Jabbok, okay? And he said to them, he took them, he sent them over to the brook, and then he sent over what he had, let's see here. Then Jacob, here we go. I was trying to make sure I was in the right place. So he sends him over, and then this is what happens. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Later on, it explains that this is God, okay? But what is interesting, it says, Then Jacob was left there alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now, whenever he saw, now if you will notice, even in the scripture, the he there becomes capitalized because this is God. So the morning begins to come up, so they're wrestling there for a good portion of the evening, maybe all of it. When he saw that he did not, let's let's do this, now whenever he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of his hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he, God said, let me go for the day breaks, but he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now, this is kind of one of those things that we speculate, we talk about, we have a lot of theories about, but ultimately, what happened? Why is a human being allowed to wrestle with God? Or was it that God wrestled with him? Now, that's interesting because it says, and another person wrestled with him. So a lot of people say, well, maybe it was God, maybe it was this. But here's the point. This is is me just thinking out loud, and it's not reading too much into it, but think of it this way. He is in a place where he is seeing angels. He realizes that the angels of God are with him. He understands that there's two camps that are there. But anyway, whenever it comes down to it, somehow, some way, Jacob decides to, to latch on to this one person. Or maybe the other one lashed on to him. But for whatever reason in this, Jacob now finds himself in a struggle with God and god allows because it's not like god at any moment could not have crushed him he who spoke the universe into existence surely he could have made it disappear i don't know if why he saw god there i don't know what they talked about see a lot of this stuff isn't necessarily revealed to us let me give you an example and you've probably heard me give this example before but in the book of revelation talks about the thunderings right the thunderings from heaven and it says that john took up his pen he's getting ready to write down What happened? And God says, do not write it. Why? It's not for us to know. There are things that God specifically does not tell us because they are not for us to know in this time or in this place for whatever reason that seems wise to him. So in this, I don't know what Jacob And the Lord might have spoken about, but either way, whatever they were talking about, suppose that they were talking about, Jacob, you got some problems. Maybe he looked at him and said, Jacob, you need to change your ways. Jacob, if you, you know, would, would serve me, I would truly bless you. I don't know what it was or for whatever reason, but either way, the next thing you see, the two of these are in the struggle, and they end up struggling, and God allows the struggle to go on. Now, there's a lot of parallels maybe that we could draw from this, and I know that we've talked about how it pleases God for us to be in faith and to trust him and believe him. I'll tell you something that you might find amazing. Have you ever read in Hebrews, I think it's Hebrews chapter 7, I could be wrong, but I believe it's in Hebrews chapter 7, but it describes Jesus being a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. You'll know you're in the right place if you're reading there, but it talks about Jesus, how whenever he prayed, it says, with loud cries and tears, Jesus prayed. We often think about Jesus in quiet prayer right you think about he's talking to his father but what about him kneeling before God and crying at the top of his lungs with tears in his eyes crying for what maybe for you and me maybe for the plans for which God had ordained that he would be a part of the Bible does not necessarily tell us it does tell us that whenever he was praying in the garden of Gethsemane it says his sweat became as drops of blood So I would tell you, Jesus was a person that believed in intense prayer. The Bible describes fervent prayer, fire-hot prayer. But what I'm saying in this thing is you see this fervency with God, that even the Son of the living God, think about this. This isn't somebody who has to come to a place where he believes that his Father is there or believes that his Father will answer. He knows that his Father will answer. He knows his Father. The Bible says, who knows the Father except the Son? Truly knows the Father. Instead, in the very, I mean, he's part of God. He stands in the very presence of the Almighty. And he himself being the Almighty himself. The mystery of the Triune God. And yet he wails in prayer and he cries out in prayer. Well, people, I believe that this is what you're seeing, is the intensity of the struggle with God. Do I believe that this is metaphorical? No, I believe it's literal. I believe the Bible says it happened. It happened. But I think you can see in there the struggle. And what for whatever reason, he sees his opportunity. Jacob sees his opportunity to lay hold of God, and he wants this blessing. In other words, bless me. I want you to bless me. You're God. You're the blesser. All these things that I've heard about you, I want it. God says, let me go. Probably because he's a scoundrel. Now, you're saying, well, Shane, you might be pushing it too far. No, what I'm saying is I think that God's trying to reveal to him his nature. So let's take a look at that. Let's go a little further. So 26. Let me go for the day breaks, but he said, I will not go unless you bless me. Now catch this. This is with his socket hurting. He's going to walk with a limp. For the rest of his life, okay. So this is not something that you would see, seek after. But he's hurting. He's physically hurting, and he still will not let God go. So I will not let you go unless you bless me. Verse twenty-seven. So he said to him, "What is your name?" Who was the person that asked him that earlier? Daddy. Daddy asked him. Isaac asked him, "What is your name?" What he tell him? I'm Esau. You sure you Esau? Oh yeah, I'm Esau. Ah, oh, that's not your voice, that's, that's, that's Jacob. Oh, but it is me, Dad, trust me. God will vouch for it. So anyway, what's your name? Do you think God didn't know his name? No, he knew exactly what his name was. So he looks at him and he says, what is your name? And for the first time he looks at him and he says, I'm Jacob. Not like you could hide it anyway. But if his name and the meaning and what we've seen in his life account for anything, he's looking at him and saying, uh, I'm a scoundrel. I'm a person that deceives. I'm a person that supplants another. That's who I am. Okay. He said, Jacob. And then God says to him, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and you've prevailed. Well, whoa, 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 that last part gets me. Prevailed. I like it. It's Powerful. But I want you to think about that for a minute. A lot of people have said, what does Israel mean? And they have said, you know, one who struggles, one's this. Well, I believe it's right there in the language. It's one who struggles with God and men. But now take jacob as a seed being planted think of the people as a whole what this is is you see a nation that will struggle with god but ultimately they will prevail and let me rephrase that god will prevail in them so anyway you'll struggle with god and prevailed But what is interesting after this, I like this too. It says, then Jacob asked saying, tell me your name, I pray. So now we got this exchange. What's your name? I'm Jacob. And then he looks at it like he doesn't get it. But he looks at him and he says, what is your name? Asking God. It's funny that God doesn't explain his name to him. But, and he said, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. This is kind of what you see repeatedly in the Old Testament when people ask God about his name. God says, well, how is it that you ask me my name seeing that it is wonderful? What he means by that is beyond comprehension It's greater than you could ever understand. Why would you ask me my name seeing that it's wonderful? Why do you ask me my name? You know who I am. And then he blesses him. All right, so we have Jacob here, and we have uh, a transformation in his life, and he is going to be called Israel, one who struggles with God. Now, in the scripture, this is not necessarily always the case, but you can see this whenever God begins to discipline Israel several times within the scripture, depending upon the author. Uh, you will see this whenever God is speaking through the prophet. If Israel has been disobedient, he will refer to them as the sons of Jacob, meaning you scoundrels, okay? And then there's other times he will refer to them as Israel. But it is used times uh, at times disciplinary. Okay, so let's do one thing here. Um, I want to see if we... couple things i'll call your attention to just briefly before i share a little bit more with you about what we're going to do as far as outreach in chapter 33 um, we were going to be looking at verses one through nine but but what's happening is esau finally meets jacob and there's something beautiful whenever you get into this and you see it but let's look of course he has his wives with him he's trying to give it the best case scenario please show me mercy you know he's got his people around him So he comes near his brother. Look at verse 4. Whenever he comes near his brother slowly, it says, but Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and wept. He was happy to see his brother. He loved his brother. And I want you to see something in the character here, okay? A man that probably had physically every right to be angry with his brother this is not what's in his heart. So he runs up to him and he loves his brother. And I want you to see something that is said here. So he wept. At verse 5, it says, He lifted up his eyes and he saw the women and children and said, Who are these with you? And he said, The children whom God has graciously given to me. Then the maid servants came near, and of course, and their children, and they bowed down, showing respect. And Leah also came near with her children. She bows down. Uh afterward uh Joseph and Rachel, they come near, they bow down. And Esau said, What do you mean by all this company which I met? You know, what are you you know, are you worried? Are you fretful? And he said, These are to find favor in the sight of my Lord. He brought gifts, he brought all these kind of things. But take a look at verse nine. This is the one that I like. But Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself do you see a change in the heart now i'm not talking about the edomites i'm not talking about their sins in the future i'm not talking about how even when the babylonians come in to attack they actually help the babylonians i'm talking about just at this moment in this time between two brothers you see that god has still blessed and watched over esau okay Now, that being said, let me finish with this last little bit. Go over to chapter 35. Like I said, we're just going to kind of bounce through a little bit, hitting some some key points. So chapter 35, starting in verse, let's see here. 22. Uh, Actually, it it, it picks up on the son of Reuben here, and uh, there is judgment that comes with that. But anyway, and it happened when Israel dwelt in the land that Reuben went and lay with uh, Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel heard about it. So there's going to be some issues in the future. But here's what we're getting into. Now the sons of Jacob, this is where I want us to go. I want you to listen up in this respect. And the sons of Leah were Reuben. That was going to be his firstborn. Then we got Simeon excuse me, Reuben, uh, Jacob's firstborn. Then we got Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, the sons of Rachel, were Joseph and Benjamin, the sons of it says Rachel's uh, maidservant, they were Dan and Naphtali. And then it says the son of Zilpah, Leah's handmaid, were, were Gad and Asher, that's 12. So we have the 12 tribes of Israel. But what is interesting, now here you go Bible scholars, are you ready? For some of that trivia knowledge that everybody wants to know, whenever you look at the 12 tribes of Israel a little bit later, you're going to notice that, um, what was it, Jacob? No, 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 excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, Joshua, right? Yes. Joseph. I keep getting them all mixed up. Joseph. It says the sons of Rachel were Joseph and Benjamin. Okay, remember Joseph for just a minute. Levi is going to be the Levites. Now, from Levi, you're going to have multiple descendants, but you are going to have the the, uh, lineage of Aaron that is going to come out of that, or Aaron. From Aaron come all the priests. So, here's the deal. Everybody who's a Levite will serve before the Lord, and they'll serve in the temple or the tabernacle until the temple's built. All priests are levites but not all levites are priests specifically through aaron do you get the priests but levi doesn't get any land they basically have cities throughout the 12 tribes so now we're down to 11 places right and what's going to happen is joseph is going to wind up with a double portion and whenever he gets a double portion it's going to go to his children ephraim and manasseh so whenever uh Joseph disappears as a tribe. You're going to see Ephraim and Manasseh. Now you're back up to 12 tribes. So we have the 12 tribes of Israel that are present. You say, okay, that's significant and that's good, but understand what's going to happen. And we're going to study this later. Whenever King Solomon sins and rebels against God, God is going to strip 10 tribes from him. He's going to just tear them right away from him. He says, but for the sake of David, he said, I'm going to allow you to have two in the southern kingdom. Of course, Judah and I believe Benjamin, if I'm not mistaken. So where have we come so far? We've gone through all this biblical history and now we are touching on those 12 tribes, this land that is going to be divided eventually after uh, Joshua, but you're going to see the 12 tribes of Israel take their form. Okay. All right. Now let me share a couple things with you tonight. I have been up, trying to upload material, but evidently I have upset uh, either YouTube, or I'm not doing what YouTube wants me to do, or I have just messed up on my own. But let me share some things with you. So I want to give you some training tonight, and you say, well, Shane, let's call it close to closing. Now, you know what? Let's do this. Hold on. Let's have the worship team come for just a moment. Let's not change gears in the middle of something. Worship team comes. Tonight, if you need special prayer, tonight, if you uh, would like just prayer in general, or if you need to come to the altar, if you need to be with Jesus, if you don't know Jesus, or if you're struggling with your relationship with Christ, we want to give you that opportunity. So tonight... Uh, I would ask you to open your heart to the Lord, and whatever he has for you, I pray that you would receive it. So if everyone would please stand. And I know that uh, Mr. James is going to get some prayer tonight, so he'll be heading this way, and then also uh, here towards uh, the end of the altar service if we could have our deacons come forward.
1: I have to
0: We're going to continue in prayer. So allow everybody that's at the altars to continue to pray. I would like some deacons to come forward, if you will. We're going to pray for Mr. James. He's going to be having some surgery. He says he's got an old football injury we've got to take care of. Please remain in an attitude of worship. no, brother, you're going to be having some surgery. And I know God's got you. But according to the word of God, to call for the elders of the church, and to pray for the sick and to pray that prayer of faith, he said you'd hear that prayer of faith and that you'd heal the sick and you'd lift them up and if they committed any sins, that they would be forgiven. My brother, Mr. James, I anoint you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Father, we lay our hands upon our brother right now, and we ask you, Father. know he's going in for surgery, and we ask you, Father, not only for excellence among the doctors and for everything to go well, but we ask that you'd heal him. Heal him every single bit. Father, we do proclaim the cross of Jesus Christ, the victory of that cross, the shed blood of Jesus Christ, but also the resurrection. We do proclaim and call upon the name of the Lord God over him. And we ask that you bless him in the name of Christ Jesus. And we ask you to heal him, help him, and to lift him up. May this all go well, be for his strength and for his better. Bless him today and heal him today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Saints, we're going to continue in an attitude of worship. And I want you to pray with me right now. Father, we want to be everything that you have called us to be. Father, it's, I know it's not easy. I know sometimes I stand up here and I preach and I say things, and I know sometimes people hear it and, and they think, you know, Shane, I am trying. God, I know. I know by the revelation of your Holy Spirit that there are many people that love you with all their hearts. And I know, Father, that they are seeking your faith. And they they are busy, Father, about the things of your kingdom. And, Father, I don't take that lightly. I know, Heavenly Father, that they are. But, Father, I ask you to encourage them. And I ask you to bless them. That, Father, what they are doing for the kingdom, Father, it will have eternal consequences. Father, I ask you to teach us not to let go, not to let people influence us or to discourage us. Father, not to become weary in well-doing, but I pray, Father, that you would encourage us to remain firm. God, to not turn to the left or the right, but, Father, to seek your face and to always long for you. We love you, Lord, because you love us so much more than we realize. Oh, Father God, be glorified in us. Use us for your kingdom and be blessed. Bless us all in Jesus' name. Now, what I would ask for you to do, saints, is this, is quietly, because we're still doing ministry here, I'd ask you, I'm going to want the piano to play, maybe the musicians to play. And those that want to remain in an attitude of prayer and worship, you're welcome to. Those that want to be dismissed, I ask you not to speak until you're outside, okay? God bless you. You're dismissed.
1: that he will uh, begin some training on Wednesday that he didn't get a chance to, to start tonight. Uh, so that'll just give you a uh, chance to come back and be with us on Wednesday night. Uh, that said, you're dismissed. Just be uh, very, very careful. I understand that the weather has made a turn. Uh, so just be careful for the ele- uh, that, that traveling in our, our higher elevations and be safe. Thank you. <music>